Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week in review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, this week I want to focus on just the one topic and it's the green energy revolution, which seems to be going the way of the French Revolution. They're all turning on each other. We've got windfall taxes instead of subsidies. The Germans, I think, at 90% windfall taxes. Um, The EU's got one planned. It's all going a bit bizarre. How are you making sense of this? Well, let's look at the oil industry to begin with. I mean, we started off with one level of tax earlier this year at 40%. We then went to 65%. Then Jeremy Hunt announces it's going to 75%. Bear in mind, of course, that the oil price is way off the top, but that's what they've decided to do. Brindex is an organization for smaller oil and gas researchers, developers, drillers. Very interesting. We think of the North Sea, we think BP and Shell, because they're the only names we ever hear on BBC News or in the Financial Times. This is what I've learned this week. It's astonishing. 60 to 70% of North Sea oil and gas production actually comes through smaller companies. And Brindex is their sort of umbrella organization. Uh, And then they're saying, sorry, this kills it. This kills it. Because if we invest at around about the price of oil now, um, if we invest in new drilling, new research, new production, we can make a profit. If oil falls below $75 a barrel, we make a loss. You know, if you're going to tax us on this relatively marginal rate, now oil could go higher, then we're not going to invest because what is the point? You're saying to us, if you invest and lose money, that's great. But if you invest and make money, we're going to charge you up to 75%. There are some discounts for reinvestment. That's true. Um, And so actions have consequences. And I have been railing against these taxes, these windfall taxes or super taxes, as I call them, because once you've introduced them into this area, then it's been introduced to the wind energy uh, providers. Although having said that, I mean, the idea that they were being paid on the price of gas was insane. Um, But once you've started to do that with a series of industries, why not do it to the water industry? Why not do it uh, to, you know, a football club that's on the stock exchange. I, I, I mean, you, know, you, you really are heading down a very dangerous and perilous route. And already we've seen Brindex come out and say, this ain't going to work. We've seen Shell talk about rethinking a 25 billion investment programme. Already what Hunter's done is having disastrous consequences. The irony here is that those windfall profits were created by government mismanagement of the energy industry in the first place. So they've created the shortage and now they're taxing the resulting profits. It's not just the industry, though. It's also investors in the industry that are facing this uncertainty. I've been reading about the Australian pension industry, which is refusing to uh, to invest in renewables because it just doesn't make financial sense, given the uncertainty in politics. And they're, they're big investors. Yes, I mean, you know, on the renewable side of it, um, as I say, we've we've introduced the windfall tax there as well. Um, But so often these things go wrong. It's been confirmed today that Thorough Council in Essex have lost £650 million of local ratepayers' money, council taxpayers' money. Um, They got involved in a big, um, you know, solar energy project in Essex and East Anglia. The guys turned out they couldn't make a profit. They were fraudsters. Uh, You know, everywhere you look, everywhere you look, there is gross mismanagement of the entirety of this industry 
be it renewable, be it conventional fossil fuels, nothing, nothing is actually working. And I, you know, I was, it's very interesting. If you look at the ONS breakdown of the autumn statement from Hunt, really interesting that from 2012, projected out to 2028, the subsidy for renewables, wait for it, 134 billion sterling. I mean, you know, it, it, it literally is a mind-numbing sum of taxpayers' money that has already been poured into renewables, will be poured into renewables for the next few years. And hey, you know, it's Mrs. Jones paying her electricity bill that is picking up the tab for all of this. Uh, and this ta these taxes have been hidden for years and years and years. I'm all for renewable energy, but not with ongoing government subsidy. It makes mm -hmm. them inefficient. Uh, it, it makes them bad at what they do. Um, and, and this sort of headlong commitment for wind, well, I don't know whether you noticed, but in the last 48 hours, guess how much wind has produced of UK's electricity? 1%. Or oh, by the way, that's rounded up. <laughs> that figure is rounded up. Today, I'm not sure wind energy will produce anything because it's dead flat, it's dead calm. So we're heavily reliant on gas to get us through these few days. And that's fine, all the while we've got it. But if we get a cold February, the lights are going out. So I would be very nervous about investing in renewables. I think they've been propped up, as I say, with government subsidy. I think political pressure in time will make those subsidies ease. I think the tax regime also makes investors uncertain. So energy, a very difficult place right now. Well, where is it going next then? Because we had the green energy boom in 2021 and then you and I joked about investing in coal stocks because we had our doubts about the actual viability of these energy stocks producing energy uh, and that played out in 2022. Where do we go in 2023? Obviously, it's high risk, but sometimes that high risk is an opportunity. Well, yes. I mean, I think, um, you know, we are clearly uh, headed for a year in which inflation will be much more stubborn than central banks are predicting, in which interest rates... I don't think they'll go through the roof, but they're going to stay pretty steady. Um, and in which consumer confidence will be low, simply because of the cost of living crisis. So I think overall, you know, you look at 2023, very tough for stock markets. It's going to be very, very tough. I think the first six, nine months will be tough for stock markets. Um, I haven't got a problem in investing in oil and coal and all these uh, type of things, but just not in the UK. <laughs> just not if they're UK dependent, because we have a virtually confiscatory conservative party in power with the prospect of a Labour government who wouldn't who wouldn't relieve any of it. So so I think if you know if, if, if we're looking at coal, we're looking at oil, if we think these these are still strong sectors, we've got to go for we've got to go for companies that produce most of it outside the North Sea and the UK. On coal, interestingly, um I saw the British coal figures two days ago. Uh, our coal exports this year have imports have doubled. They're doubled. They're doubled. And here we have an anthracite mine necessary for the steel industry in Cumbria, ready to go, strong local support at MP level, councillor level, and yet the government can't make a decision. So, you know, every which way you turn, every which way you turn, uh, the whole energy uh, system in Britain is in a complete mess. Yeah, I've been reading about a similar situation with hydropower in Scotland, where the government just can't make up oh, yeah. its mind. Um, Lime, last question then is, don't you think all of this could change quite quickly if bad enough winter hits? So, for example, we've got the, the diesel sanctions on Russia going to come into place soon, and yet Russia is still by far the largest um, supplier of diesel to the European Union 
or possibly Europe. I can't remember the statistics. Um, the similar situation with, with gas, where Europe's imports of Russian seaborne gas are at a record level before um, potentially they could be shut off. It seems to me that things are so bad as winter approaches that we might see you know, like the Germans did on nuclear power, a complete about face on all of this. And it could be boom time for energy in Britain. Uh, I don't see it happening. I, I, I just don't see it happening. It might happen elsewhere. I do not see um, in the absence of religion, people have to believe in something. Um, and they decided to believe in CO2 and global warming and pursuing a, a very, very uh, self-harmful net zero strategy. I don't see that. As I say, it may well happen elsewhere as reality bites, we'll be the last on this. We will be the last, which is why, as I say, being invested in energy could be a good place to be. There could be spikes over the winter in some of these prices, but I don't think it will benefit much in the United Kingdom. Talking of diesel, very interesting. You know, we used to refine our own diesel. We don't anymore. Do you know why? Because electricity is so expensive because we put 25% on top and, and to subsidize wind energy and the refiners have given up doing it in Britain. Russia does most of it. And interestingly, at the pumps yesterday, I noticed diesel 26p a litre premium over unleaded. It's all getting worse going into winter when it should be getting better because yeah. we're getting ready for winter. And I think uh, it's going to reach some sort of peak moment over the next few months, although there's a lot of talk actually about next year being the crunch year, especially for diesel. Um, so let's hope we are not talking about that topic next year <laughs> as well. Nigel, thanks for joining me to everyone at home. Thanks for watching.